Hey, Sanglian. Thanks hey, for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. Um, let's start with where it all began for you in the music industry. Ooh, so how did I get into music? Yeah. That's a funny one. Um, it just kind of happened to me. I was maybe like two years old, three years old. My parents got me my first toy and it was a synthesizer, heaps of sounds on it, drum machines, everything. And I just played with it. I wasn't even conscious. It was just something I just found myself through, even coming through primary school, you know, joining little hip hop groups, being on keyboards and stuff. And then through high school playing in bands, I just, I just got drawn to like, this is my way of interacting with people. This is me. And I just kind of always felt that way. And I'm still pushing through in my twenties doing all that. So, yeah. What was it like dropping your, well, starting out in the like dance music industry back in 2016? That was that was interesting. Um, it took me a long, long time to actually find my niche as a producer because I think one of the things I struggled with was the fact that my music was so different. Like I've taken influences from a lot of alternative artists and artists that just aren't trendy right now. So heaps of 90s stuff like Yerk was a massive influence, um, Radiohead, Massive Attack, all this real like introverted niche stuff. So Finding my, finding my way as a producer in that was difficult. I explored with hip-hop for a while, being a hip-hop DJ, didn't fit in, tried the whole techno thing, house, even like psychedelic music. And then it wasn't until DMB that I was like, okay, sweet, this makes sense. I'm happy doing this. People are connecting with it. And that took until like 2018, 2019 before I was really getting on a roll with it. But it's obviously been a massive success. So I feel like I found myself now. What's been the biggest learning curve for you? In the music industry. Yeah, or like from that progression between uh, 2016 to now. Um, it's, just, it's probably a cliche, but just be true to yourself. I think I struggled a lot with a lot of those scenes because, I mean, I didn't really feel like I fitted in, but I was trying to, trying to fit in too much. And I think I was quite unhappy for a long time, especially with hip-hop, like, I mean, I love hip hop. It's one of my favorite genres ever, but I think there's a massive difference between liking a genre and also the scene that is around you, like Sydney hip hop, for example. Like if it's not working, if you feel like you're being fake to fit in, just just stop. Mm. Whereas with DMB, I've not been pretentious at all. I'm fully myself and it just works. So yeah, be true to yourself. Is there a big difference between hip hop and drum and bass? Like the scene? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Definitely. I think drum and bass from, from my experience, Experience, and I don't mean to diss anyone, but I found it way more involved. I want to get loose and party. There's no kind of competitiveness, I think. Mm-hmm. But you get that a lot with rappers and stuff like that. Even the DJs trying to out scratch each other. Whereas DMV, it's just everyone wants to just get fucked up and party. So <laughs> I fit right in. <laughs> <laughs> can Can you scratch? Is that something you taught yourself? I used or? to be able to. I used to just a little bit, but then yeah. I kind of gave up. yeah wasn't wasn't where i want to express myself um how do you find your production progression from your uh someday back in 2017 to your control ep like how do you feel like you progressed Ooh, i think i think the main difference is like when i was doing that first ep it's really experimental in nature but that's just the fact that i wasn't 100% like 
in tune with the sound yet. Um, so everything was just trial and error. Like it was my first time using Logic. I was using more basic software before that. First time actually using synthesizers and drum machines. Before that, it was all on the computer. So that was a lot of exploring. But with Control, I know how to use my studio set up really well now. I know how to produce much more. And it was a much more deliberate process. So it wasn't trial and error. It was like, I know what I want to do. And I just executed it. Hmm. And how do you feel like your quality has progressed? Has it, has it gotten better or worse? Or do you feel like you're kind of the same? I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? I really don't know. Sometimes I think I'm getting worse. I think I'm, sometimes I think I'm getting better. Um, I think I'm getting closer to a more honest sound. I don't know if it's better or worse. I mean, music's so subjective, but I definitely think the music I make now is a lot more me than someday was even for that time. Cause I know you change as a person as you get older, but like, yeah, like control is a much more accurate representation of who I am in 2020 and 2021 than someday was of who I was at 2017. So mm-hmm. it's just getting like more accurate. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. What was the, kind of one year gap of you starting your uh sanglian project and then your first release or were you releasing before that before anything on spotify oh no i i I had a different moniker for like nearly a decade when i was in the hip-hop scene um and i put like a shit ton of free albums online had a bit of a cult following because my whole strategy was just spamming like crazy like you know when you're (laughs) younger and you got more energy so you're just going at, at it every conversation at a party is like just be plugging yourself. <laughs> like I had that energy like 10 years ago and um, yeah, like I was doing heaps of trip hop and hip hop influence kind of stuff for ages. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I never really stopped. I no. think I've slowed down now and being more thoughtful as I was before. So, yeah. Sort of just putting out stuff after stuff and just spamming people with music. Yeah. Now I'm like taking a backseat. Yeah, now I'm taking the back seat and it's like, well, I want to really be more precious with it. With the hip hop, like I think it was like a whole 2000s thing, you know, people spamming music and getting followers with free downloads and stuff like that and all those gates and stuff like that. So I, yeah. you're doing the right thing. SoundCloud really. rappers and shit, yeah. SoundCloud rappers. SoundCloud's dead now, man. Is it? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't know. As I was saying that, I was like, oh, I'm thinking of mixed cloud, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> Man, they fucked up, hey? Like, the whole paid service thing, you can't rewind. Just like, what's the point? Anyway. Well, they did a survey a while back asking, like, would you pay for these features? So I assume some people wanted it. Are you not big on Mixcloud? No, I used to use it all the time. But, like, if it's if it's such a pain for anyone, anyone to actually hear my mixes properly, uh, there's no point. Yeah, Like, I'm not-, not some big artist that can have a draw that's going to, like... <laughs> be keen on that stuff i'd rather just make it as accessible as possible did any of your followers come from your hip-hop to your sangli sangli a few a few i've converted some people to dmv which has been real interesting i see some freestylers just kind of rocking up to gigs and trying to spit over drum bass and it's like all right all right speaking of your drum and bass phase um let's talk about your rinse out your monthly um event yeah oh my god that's a huge part of me um i definitely felt like something was missing when the second lockdown hit from my life and when i came back i was like yes (laughs) um yeah no that's been a crazy adventure because i again i just fell into it the same way i kind of fell into doing music full stop which is when i know i'm onto a good thing is when destiny puts it on me but um 
Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I'll tell you the whole story. I was just coming up in the scene as a DJ. I was just starting to get traction. I was play, I played for Chase and Status, Dimension, heaps of people. I was like really building a lot of momentum. Then I had a tour in Japan booked and I was like, yes, I'm actually making it now. This is crazy. And all these dates, like a few in Tokyo and Osaka and stuff. And then boom, COVID hits. Everyone's like, what is this? And then I'm like, shit, because all those dates got canceled. And I was like, no, this sucks. I don't want to be confined to my room. I don't want to lose all this momentum. I had so much energy. I just broke up with my girlfriend in six years. So I was like crazy free. I'm like, I want to do this shit. So I just use that energy. I pulled all the DJs that I networked with in that past year or so together. We made a website. We made a whole stream schedule thing where all the streaming DJs were coming together and we're making events out of it online. Mm-hmm. And then the venue at the time, Blue Fig, they saw what I was doing and they were like, okay, restrictions are easing. We're about to open up. Do you want to start doing your events here? We've seen you're what you're doing, really impressed. We know you've got good reach. And I was like, hell yeah, man. So I just kind of became a promoter without even realizing it. Um, and I got really excited because I'm super creative. started doing my own posters, um, crazy marketing on Facebook and stuff. And yeah, it just blew up. Like I wasn't sure how it was going to go. Um, but yeah, ever since day one, we were packing out um, and it was getting bigger and bigger. And finally, we've got a bigger venue now. So it's just it's just been growing. And I'm like absolutely stoked about it. So yeah. Kind of just fell into the promoter role. Yeah, but I love that. Yeah. I love that. That's how I want to live my life because that's when I know I'm doing the right thing. If it just if it just happens naturally, because I was almost meant to do it, you know. A lot of lot to unpack with what you said. Let's go back to the tour in Japan. Was that like a holiday, or you go in there to tour tour, or like both, both? Shit. Um. Yeah, it started out as a holiday, but then I was posting things on my personal Facebook, like, "Oh, I need some advice. What's a good place to get this and that?" and someone who was also a promoter was like, oh, if you're going to be in Japan, play some shows. I've got some hookups for you. And I was like, sweet. <laughs> so, but yeah, it didn't work out in the end, which is a shame. But I mean, it kind of had to happen to get me to where I am now. So yeah. yeah. Well, you were packing out Blue Fig lines out uh, out the door, down the road. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. How does great that ego feel? boost. At, at great <laughs> ego boost for a while. Because you're like, yeah, we're fucking selling out. But it gets to a point where it's like, oh, shit we're packing out we need to expand <laughs> like sorry you can't come in <laughs> it's not funny anymore because it's like we're growing we should grow yeah so yeah well, that was I, tricky for a while i feel like the um drum and bass scene was kind of missing in the sydney scene like there wasn't anything really drum and bassy and people love that shit mm. so what you did was just a matter of time and you happen to be the lucky person who brought it to the front and look at you now. Yeah. How important was the live streams through COVID? It was like my breakthrough yeah. as a promoter. It was, it was how this all started. Like I, even though I had success, like playing at Chinese laundry and stuff like that, like I was still a nothing. I mean, I was being humble about it. I was just kind of like getting used to people and stuff. But like, once I started doing that, people really started recognizing me and were like, holy shit, this guy is like just running all this shit. Um, so if I didn't have that kind of situation to like show this skill as a promoter and an organizer, I wouldn't have rinse. I wouldn't have any of this stuff. So that, that really changed my status 
with everything. Mm. It's crazy. If you feel comfortable talking about it, what's the back end like of throwing events and being a promoter? Like, what's that like? Getting harassed by DJs. Oh my god. <laughs> Fuck man, can I just can I just say something? And I don't mean any disrespect to people, but I'm really big on sincerity, commitment, and like a genuine, like sincerity, like a genuine interest in the scene. I'm all I'm all good to like check out mixes if I get people pitching me online, but if you're not actually coming out to the gigs and, and being in the scene and, and like coming up to me and saying hi in person, and you're just going to hide behind a keyboard and make excuses, I'm not really going to want to book you. Mm. So I get a lot of people just kind of pitching themselves and it's like, I don't know. Like I, 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 I want to book people who are really passionate about being out there in the scene. Mm. I don't want to book people who just want the whole ego rush of, getting validated by being booked. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm some yeah. I'm a bit pissy about that. Um, or people who kind of throw shade when I don't book them just like, yeah, like everyone gets, a sh- I try to be fair. I try to give everyone a shot because for the first 12 months of doing rinse out, not a single DJ was booked twice. So I was really passionate about giving everyone a fair go, but yeah, like the back end of that is just um, DJs annoying me. So yeah. <laughs> But I'll, I've learned how to deal with it cordially over time. So, yeah. You, you can only have so many people on that night, you know, like if, yeah, you, don't, yeah. if, you, don't, if you can't book them, you can't book them. So, yeah. Like- yeah. But I also think it's like, you know, I'll, I'll give you something if you give me something. Hmm. So come to the show, be a part of the group, you know, dance your ass off, show some genuine love. And I'll see that you really care and connect with people already as a person. And I'll respond by giving you a gig. Literally, that's all promoters want. They want you to show up, yep. show love, just that love, and they'll yeah. give it back. Because one of the, the one of the biggest things that makes a DJ good, because DJing is relatively easy as a skill. Um, one of the thing things that I think is overlooked, um, besides mixing skills, is just connecting with crowds. Hmm. And that's where you get where you really get your engagement and your fans. You start creating a vibe. So if you can do that as a punter, then I'll trust you more as a DJ. Yeah, straight up. How important is people for events? Like, yeah, you need them to, for them to happen, but like how important is support for events? Oh, the, the people's everything. Yeah. The people's everything. And I think one of the things that really makes Rinse Out distinct is that it has a personality and attracts a certain crowd. Um, and I've worked really hard to, to facilitate that. So um, like I'm really big on like, the social component. So the funny thing was when we were doing rinse out, when it first started, it was all sit down, small bar kind of vibe. So socializing was a huge element of that. Um, But yeah, like I think even though it's a commercial thing, I really see it as like a big birthday party. You want it to feel that way. You want it to feel like a house party. You want it Mm. to feel like everyone's there to be friends with each other and have a good time. Um, And there's no competitiveness. It's not about who's the best DJ or any of this kind of bullshit. It's just like everyone there should feel like they're all friends. And then we become friends. Like I'm I'm kind of, I'm really big on that. And that's when you have a good time, you know, like great DJs are great DJs, but I want to have a great experience full stop. Yeah. 
let's unpack your control EP. Tell me the inspiration yeah. behind. Tell tell me the inspiration behind that. Um. Well, I knew that it was inevitable that I was going to do a drone based release. Um, it's a genuine part of who I am as a person, but it took a long time for me to actually tackle that authentically because the last thing I wanted to do was just put out drone bass that was like, look at me, I'm making drone bass now. It took a long time to actually do it genuinely where it's like, I'm not thinking of it as DMB. I'm just thinking of it as the next Sanglian project, the next expression of Sanglian music where it happens to be DMB, I had to, had to be really genuine and progressive with that. So um, there's a shit ton of DMB I made before those four tracks that I'm not ever going to release because it was the build-up. Um, and, yeah, a lot of it was quite dance flourish at the start, but I was like, it took a while to figure out the sound I wanted to go for. And then over time, I really kind of tapped into my hip-hop roots for it. Um a lot of trip hop influence kind of came back. And if you listen to it really closely, you'll notice that the bass lines are quite subby and quite minimalistic, which is what you get in hip hop. Mm. They're not the kind of big noisy electronic sounds you get in most DMB. And same with the drums. All the drums are like acoustic boom bapish kind of textures and there's keyboard samples and pianos and scratching. So it all derived from that. And that was a natural experience kind of figuring it out over the last year or so that it took to make it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm pretty happy with it now. All yeah. that all that technical talk reminded me of the message you sent me uh just before we did this. How you said it'd be good to talk music to someone who actually understands or because your friends really don't. Right. I believe that was you. I don't think it was me. <laughs> might, might have been. Doesn't, I don't know. No, no, doesn't sound like me. Anyway. <laughs> um getting played on FBI radio and triple J. How was that? Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't really seen um, much benefit to it now. Like, it's a great place to start to get some exposure and stuff. But I think um, something interesting uh, I've learned over time is, like, when you're first starting out, you want to get plays on radio. You want to get followers in terms of, like, numbers and YouTube plays and all that kind of stuff. And I was, I was playing that game when I was coming up, but um, the thing I really value now um, more so is the personal connection. So I would rather have 10 people dancing in the front row on my sets than I would have 10,000 plays on Spotify, which sounds weird, but I really mean that. Hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm super grateful for getting played, don't get me wrong, but it's just something I've realised is... Um, viable when you have a particular agenda and i've realized my agenda is much more aligned with the live scene now than it is with commercial play so yeah that was interesting see that's your inner promoter coming out like you, i guess so you're I an artist so, yeah. but like you're also a all about the, the yeah. gigs man yeah because if you're still an artist you'd still be chasing them plays them subs yeah them streams yeah you know? I've, I've moved on from all that <laughs> but it takes people yeah. years to figure that out yeah, you know, people chase and that's all they want. And then when they get a million streams, they've got really nothing to show for it. You know, they don't have that ten fans that truly adore them, like you said, like you would have. Yeah, but having said that, like I'm not knocking that particular direction either. Like, there's people who are really good at people who can really play the social media game and stuff. And 
you know, they obviously have a good revenue source as well from getting a certain amount of YouTube hits and that. So that works for them and they've got their market and that's fantastic. I'm not trying to knock it. Hmm. I just think for me, like I'm all about like personal connection. So, and I recognize that most through that physical experience of like playing a gig and having that connection with the crowd. Yeah. I don't see it as much with, with, you know, stats and that's just personal. So, yeah. Hmm. Who's your inspiration behind your drum and bass? Oh, um, I want to say a massive shout out to the Bristol boy break. I had the chance to meet him um, at a gig about two years ago. Yeah. Like I think he's my top producer in the scene. Like I'm always going to listen to his stuff whenever he puts it out, whether it's like a single or a collab or an album, he's just got such a great sound. And I think that's something I've always valued in the music I like overall is when um, you hear the first note of a track and you know who made it. Yeah. I respect people who can do that. And he's, he's one of them. His drum sounds, his bass lines, it's always really fat, wide, compressed, like hip-hop-y kind of drums, which I value a lot. And then his basses are always super subby but distorted as hell. It's like, Pruff. like that's just great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, he's my biggest inspo, for sure. Funny question just off what you said, but what, yeah. when would you say you've made it, you know, in the music industry? Given the fact you're a promoter yeah. as well, like like what would be i've made it like you can sit back and go this is it when i feel happy with with whatever i've done deep like i can i can put out i can put out a single and it gets added to a playlist and that playlist has like a million followers and all of a sudden i've got like a thousand plays a day for that track I look at my bank account there's like hundred dollars i don't know how it works but like this is, I, I can put out a track like that but it's not my favorite thing that I've made. Mm. And I'll be like, that was cool. But then I'll get over it. Whereas like I can work really hard on an EP. It maybe gets like 1% of that success, but I love it. Yeah. And there's enough people out there that just kind of enjoyed listening to it. Told me they appreciate that I made it. And I'm like, Oh, thanks bro. Like, I don't know. I just want to be happy with what I've done. I don't care about any kind of, you know, numerical or commercial success in that way and you did say rinse out was getting a bigger venue yeah yeah. how big do you think this is going to get oh i don't know i'll just kind of take it one one day at a time i don't have any goals like i just want to like the the only reason i got a bigger venue was to serve the event Mm. it wasn't to take the, the event to a particular place that i wanted to see it go it was responding to the fact that it was already successful so if it stops at this new place, Highway Bar, if it stops there and we consistently just get that 100, 150 capacity, whatever, as long as I'm enjoying it, like I would consider that perfection. I would consider that the biggest success I could have hoped for. So, yeah, yeah. no goals, just letting, letting it go naturally. <laughs> um, I got a few questions I shoot to everyone that I, when I do yeah. this. What's your favorite food? Oh, um, <laughs> I want to say pizza, probably pizza, but it changes between that and halloumi every day. <laughs> I don't know. I've had some bad halloumi now, so probably pizza. Yeah. Yeah. PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation. Hands down. Easy. Hands down, uh-huh. hands down. I grew, I grew up on it. Ratchet and Crack! <laughs> <laughs> Represent. I went through a massive... Bro, uh, lockdown last year, 
the first thing that got me through it was playing the original trilogy on PS2 and getting 100% on every single game because I've never done it before. I've done it for the first one, but like playing through challenge mode, upgrading all your weapons, that took me a good six to eight weeks. That got me through lockdown big time. The word Damn. up to the makers of Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> Damn, you must have been bored. Pretty sure it's Insomniac. <laughs> it was great. It's a wonderful game. But yeah. Jeez. All 100%. Yeah, all three. I, I could not do more on the game. <laughs> um, Netflix or Disney Plus? Ooh, I stumped him. I want to say, I want to <laughs> say, I want to say Disney Plus, and it pains me to say it because there's two massive flaws. One, the is it called UX, like the user experience or whatever on Disney Plus is annoying as hell. Tell me about like, it. Like you can't just, you can't just like, if you want to like, I've been watching The Simpsons, right? Because I'm a massive Simpsons fan. If I want to jump on and pick an episode and I just click on The Simpsons when it comes up, it always just goes like halfway through the last episode I was watching and I can't yep. find the main menu of episodes. If I press back, it goes back to the whole Disney Plus homepage. That's annoying as fuck. Yep. Um, <laughs> I get the it. The second thing the second thing is I low-key don't want to support Disney because they ruined Star Wars. Ooh. Ooh. How? Because the, the, sequel, the sequel's trilogy sucked. Okay, fair. I like The Mandalorian. Rogue One was okay. But, yeah, I'm not going to ever forgive him for the sequel's trilogy. But the reason I say Disney Plus overall is because there's just better movies. Um, mm. I love watching Futurama, The Simpsons. All the Disney classics are on there. Doing a Marvel marathon right now. So it's all there. It's all great. Um, Netflix is a bit weird. Yeah. Um, like they have more stuff overall, but I just think Disney has like the classic films and shows. So I'd pick them just for content. At the That's because Disney's a big media giant. They just buy everything. Yeah, yeah. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. What's your biggest conspiracy, man? My biggest conspiracy? Yeah. Do you have a conspiracy? What does that mean? Conspiracy a theory. Conspiracy? Like 9-11... Uh, aliens, oh, the Bermuda Triangle. No, okay, okay. Eminem died, and, and since 2009, it's been a clone because oh. his voice changed and his face is so different. What? <laughs> what? All right, you're going to have to break that down. No, I've just been listening to Eminem recently because um, I was feeling nostalgic, um, and I listened to like all his music, and I was like, holy shit. When he comes back from his hiatus in 2009, he sounds different. And looking at photos, his face is so chiseled. So it's like, what's going on with that man? Is it really him? Was that when he dropped his, um, what album was it? Relapse? Yeah. Like he's such a different person. I, I know like shit went on drugs and his friend died, but like, I can't see the, the transition. It's just like different person. Well, I reckon. I'm, I reckon there's a chance. I'm, sh- I'm sure if you disappeared for three years and came back from rehab, you'd be skinny and chiselled as well. I'll have to find out. Yeah, I, I've well, that's. Oh, I've never heard that one before. But geez, that is a big conspiracy. <laughs> um, do you have anything major your fans should look out for coming up in the next in few Sa- months? Sanglian fans or rinse out fans? Both. 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 Um, rinse out, just look out for some amazing lineups, man. Um, it's gonna get bigger and better. Um, doing a lot more than we were with the last place, but um, Sangley and fans, um, 
hang tight. I got some curveballs I'm going to throw at you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're back. Um, how'd you come up with the name? Sanglian. Yeah. So, yeah, so um, my favourite band of all time is Radiohead mm-hmm. and they took their name from a Talking Head song and I was like, hey, that's a great formula. Um, so I just found a, a DJ or a producer that influenced me when I was doing my music coming up and that was DJ Cam. And his first album, Matt Blunt and Jazz, has a track on it called Sanglian. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll apply that technique. That's cool. I'll do that. That's a cool word or whatever. Later found out it means blood link. Um, <laughs> I should have known that, but I felt French. So, yeah. Whoops. <laughs> so, <laughs> sounds cool. It works. It's family. So it's <laughs> like, hey, bloodline, family, connection. I'm all about that. That works. Yeah. Good twist on that one, I guess. Kind of, <laughs> kind of just fell into it yep that's how i roll what do you have to say to your ever-growing fan base man of uh sanglian um thanks for staying interested i know my music changes a lot over time but a lot of people have been like but you always sound like you so that's a huge thing um i'm glad that's still the case and i'm glad people like that so yeah and i'll keep what, going for you guys and what do you have to say to the people who aren't following you that's okay I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. Yeah. And what do you have to say to the, your fan base of Rinse Out? I'm so tempted to scream Rinse Out. It's like a bit of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it became a catchphrase just because it's like Rinse Out exclamation mark. And like every gig ever since, like I've just been screaming at the events and it caught on. I took it too far at my best mate's birthday party, but um, yeah. <laughs> Rinse out. <laughs> and, oh, well. and to the people who aren't following you or supporting Rinse Out, what do you have to say to them? Okay, to that, you guys are missing out. Yeah. That I can be passionate about. That I can be like, no, you've got to come. It is literally like the, one of the best parties. And I'm allowed to say that without being arrogant because I fucking love it and people love it. So yeah. <laughs> um, when is your next event? Uh, November 7th. Oh, damn. The new venue. It's going to be the debut a highway bar it's like double triple capacity or something and it's going to be way bigger dance floor and like the lineup's really sick it's all like the best of from the last 12 months i, I just picked it up like straight away because i'm like who absolutely slayed chris monkey slayed subveen slayed mike b slayed um you know all the people encrypt strafe solace priestess will be joining him for the first time as well so look out for that It'll, it's, it's just yeah Straight away, who came to mind? Who was the absolute best? But there's so many great ones that come up as well, man. Like on the poster back here, I want to say what up to like, you know, Shigo and Lila, Kyrex as well. Like there's so many great artists I want to bring back as well. So yeah, stay yeah. tuned. And do you have anything major coming up for your single end other than the curveballs? Um, no, it's going to take some time um, working on a new sound. I want to keep it fresh. So I've been pushing away with demos and always like sharing them around. So yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep growing and then see what happens. Probably like another single, yeah, early next year. I'll see how we go. How do you feel yeah. about self-releasing compared to label releases? I much prefer it. Yeah, yeah. You won't get the reach necessarily, but like you're not gonna sit back and be like, "What the fuck did they do to my album?" 
or like why did they get me to pose like that in that photo what the fuck yeah. whereas like if i can do it myself it's like yeah that's how i want to look that's how i want to sound that's mm. how i want to release it and I'm, I'm happier doing that and having a lower fan base at least at first than going the highway and then just feeling like it was half me you know what i mean yeah yeah you're very humble very humble I feel like I've been so cocky this interview, but thank you. A little bit, but like you, you, you <laughs> there it is. Like, <laughs> like you, you're cocky, humble, you know, like you're only talking the truth, which is, which is true. But then like you turn around and go, I, I don't care if I have fans. I love the 10 I have, or I love the hundred I have, you know, like but it's so, it's so true. It's so true. Like when I was putting out the EP like, the day before I had, I had a lot of anxiety because I was like, well, not, just because it was coming out. Like I was just nervous. It was like a big deal. I've worked hard on this EP or whatever. And then I, and I just kind of like sat down. And I was like, okay, what am I nervous about? What do I want to achieve with this? Am I worried about plays? Am I worried about this? Steps, and I was like, no, I just really want someone to enjoy it. And my goal was like, that's all it is. I want to like put my soul out there and I just want to see, hey guys, this is me. Is anyone feeling this? So when I got my first message in my inbox from a fan saying, just listen to the EP, loved it, well done. Not because it was praise, it wasn't that, but just because someone engaged with it, I already hit my target. And for me, I was already a success. So that's why I do music. It's always like, just to go full circle, like you said, how did I get into it? Um, you know, I just was brought up on synthesizers and electronic music from the start. And I found all my friends through primary school and high school from playing music. Mm. So I've been conditioned in a way to approach music as my language and my way of connecting. That's why I make it. So when I put myself out there with production, it's like saying, Hey, this is me. This is my expression. And if it's engaged with and connected with, then that's the process complete. Yeah. Wow. Like, like I said, you're humble, cocky, but humble. <laughs> cocky, but humble. I love it. I love yeah. it. Like anyone can sit here and say that, you know, I'm the best, all this, blah, blah, blah. But like, I think I'm a shit producer, but yeah. Well, I, I listened to some of your stuff. I didn't listen to your EP, unfortunately, but I listened to other, other stuff like um, Someday. I listened to that. Yeah. Um, just because of the plays it got for FBR Radio and Triple J. And then, so I was like, oh, what's all the hype about? And yeah, no, it's, you've come far. You should be proud. Yeah. <laughs> There's that cocky humble. <laughs> wow. This is like a, this is like a therapy session. Yeah. I'm just going to call my mom after this and be like, mom, I discovered something about myself. I'm cocky, but humble. She'd be like, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I raised you. <laughs> um. Sang Lian, thanks for coming on, man. Man, thank you so much. What a great little interaction. Yeah, I, I hope you enjoyed it. it. I, I try my best to get as much information out of people as possible so that their fans can oh, great. love and one interact with them interviews. as more. One of my favorite you, interviews, man. How many have you done? For the EP? Well, at all. Oh, oh. Maybe like once a month. Once every couple of months. Just, Jeez, yeah. you're busy. How important is that for just, your for for music? Do you think? What do you mean? 
like how important do you think it is for people to get out in front of people and promote their music through interviews and such? I mean, oh, it, it just depends on what your goals are. Like there's so many ways to approach music. Like I said, like I was saying before with the whole, like um, some people for success, it's about YouTube plays and Spotify plays or this and that social media following. Some people it's about how many gigs they get booked. Um, it's the same thing. Like it just depends on what your goals are. You might be someone who besides the music, the best foot forward is their personality, in which case you need that. Mm. Um, but for someone else that could be really introverted and it might not work for them. So they might need something else. Like maybe they're just really, really good at like producing for other artists and they have different ways of getting out there. So yeah, it just depends, depends on the person. Do you have anything to say to the up and comers? Um, oh, it's a cliche, man. But <laughs> like seriously, I, I, I don't, don't, stick your tongue out of this because it's cliche as fuck but just don't give up please don't give up because music is one of the most difficult industries to have any success in commercially like this it's such an oversaturated industry and the turnover is like the what you get in return like i think spotify plays like 0.001 cent or whatever like yeah it's an impossible game almost but if you're choosing to do it in the first place, knowing this, there's a reason and it's because you really, really, really want to do it. Hmm. So don't get knocked back if your first release is a failure or, you know, if no one comes to your first gig, fuck that shit. It takes a long, long time. And if you really, really love it, don't worry about that. Just keep going. Annoy the hell out of everyone for a decade straight. Like there's so many artists that that took forever to blow up and they were either they were nothing. Like look at Ed Sheeran, right? He was busking on the streets like homeless for years. And now he's like probably the biggest pop star of the last 10 years. So just be okay with failure and just do it because you know that you really love it and don't deny yourself that 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 right to just do what you enjoy. Couldn't have said it any better. Have you ever felt like giving up, given the fact you've been doing this for a couple of years? Yeah. 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 Um, mid-20s. But that was the whole hip-hop scene. Like, I was trying for so long and I just felt so out of place. Um, so I took a break. But then I, when I realized in that couple of years off, I was like, no, fuck that. I want to do this. I deserve to do this. So I just went for it again and I did a lot better. Yeah. What do you do when you're not being uh, singly in? I don't know. All my hobbies are music. It's really yeah. bad. I've been told by a lot of close friends to not not overdo it and mix it up and get into a sport and, you know, try this and that. I just can't. I, it's always going to be music related. If I'm watching a movie, like my favorite movie is always going to be about musicians or, you know, if I'm playing a video game, it's Guitar Hero. You know what I mean? Like it's, I'm just attached to that. That's my way of understanding everything. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's, and what are you listening to? outside of electronic dance music like when when you're not like what's your day-to-day music you listen to um oh, it changes all the time I, I go through phases of particular artists i really connect with personalities more than genres so i've been through a u2 phase you know prince phase um Jeez. recently like a, a corn phase so like new metal <laughs> and shit like that um doing an m M&M, m wow doing an m M&M marathon 
with myself um, last couple of days, hence why I was thinking about that for the conspiracy thing. Um, Bjork, when I was younger, Radiohead, um, Massive Attack, um, Sade briefly. Um, yeah, just, 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 yeah, it just, it's so random. Mm. Oh, Depeche Mode, Nine Inch Nails, absolutely yep. love. Um, yeah, like I'm just big on like the personality and the auteur when it comes to music more so than genres. And then I'll get into the genre through that. But it's not always a success. Like Nine Inch Nails got me into industrial and I got as far as ministry and I was like, nah, I just like Nine Inch Nails. Corn got me into new metal. And I got as far as like Limp Bizkit and I was like, nah, I just like new metal. You know, Radiohead got me into Britpop and I got, I got to Oasis, Oasis and I was like, nah, I just like Radiohead. So <laughs> it's just like that. Because he's so big. What's your favorite Eminem album? Because you're going Marshall back through it all as well. Marshall Mathers LP. Really? Interesting. Yeah, that's the correct that's the correct answer. You, you can't say anything else. It's the Marshall Mathers LP. <laughs> Fair enough. Like I, I'm more of an Eminem show fan myself, but each to their own, I guess. No oh, man, Marshall Mathers LP. As I thought. <laughs> um, that's him. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Shang Lian, man. Thanks for coming on. No worries, man. Thanks for the chat.